and one of her two fellow archaeologists, sitting at the end of a long table against the farther wall, smoking his big curved pipe and going through a loose-leaf notebook. The girl ordnance officer, Sachiko Korimetsu, between two drop-lights at the other end of the table, her head bent over her work. Colonel Hubert Penrose, the Space Force CO, and Captain Field, the intelligence officer, listening to the report of one of the Airdyne pilots, returned from his afternoon survey flight. A couple of girl lieutenants from Signals, going over the script of the evening telecast, to be transmitted to the Cyrano, on orbit five thousand miles off-planet, and relayed from thence to Terra via Lunar. Sid Chamberlain, the trans-space news serviceman, was with them. Like Selim and herself, he was a civilian. He was advertising the fact with a white shirt and a sleeveless blue sweater. And Major Lindemann, the engineer officer, and one of his assistants, arguing over some plans on a drafting board. She hoped, drawing a pint of hot water to wash her hands and sponge off her face, that they were doing something about the pipeline. She started to carry the notebooks and sketchbooks over to where Selim von Olmhorst was sitting, and then, as she always did, she turned aside and stopped to watch Sachiko. The Japanese girl was restoring what had been a book fifty thousand years ago. Her eyes were masked by a binocular loop the black headband invisible against her glossy black hair, and she was picking delicately at the crumbled page with a hair-fine wire set in a handle of copper tubing. Finally, loosening a particle as tiny as a snowflake, she grasped it with the tweezers, placed it on a sheet of transparent plastic on which she was reconstructing the page, and set it with a mist of fixative from a little spray gun. It was sheer joy to watch her. Every movement was as graceful and precise as though done to music, after being rehearsed a hundred times. Hello, Martha. It isn't cocktail time yet, is it? The girl at the table spoke without raising her head, almost without moving her lips, as though she were afraid that the slightest breath would disturb the flaky stuff in front of her. No, it's only fifteen thirty. I finished my work over there. I didn't find any more books, if that's good news for you. Sachiko took off the loop and leaned back in her chair, her palms cupped over her eyes. No, I like doing this. I call it micro-jigsaw puzzles. This book here really is a mess. Selim found it lying open with some heavy stuff on top of it. The pages were simply crushed. She hesitated briefly. If only it would mean something after I did it. There could be a faintly critical overtone to that. As she replied, Martha realized that she was being defensive. It will, some day. Look how long it took to read Egyptian hieroglyphics, even after they had the Rosetta Stone. Sachiko smiled. Yes, I know. But they did have the Rosetta Stone. And we don't. There is no Rosetta Stone, not anywhere on Mars. A whole race, a whole species, died while the first Cro-Magnon cave artist was daubing pictures of reindeer and bison. And across fifty thousand years and fifty million miles, there was no bridge of understanding.
We'll find one. There must be something, somewhere, that will give us the meaning of a few words, and will use them to pry meaning out of more words, and so on. We may not live to learn this language, but we'll make a start, and someday somebody will. Sachiko took her hands from her eyes, being careful not to look toward the unshaded light, and smiled again. This time Martha was sure it was not the Japanese smile of politeness, but the universally human smile of friendship. I hope so, Martha. Really I do. It would be wonderful for you to be the first to do it, and it would be wonderful for all of us to be able to read what these people wrote. It would really bring this dead city to life again. The smile faded slowly. But it seems so hopeless.